Good morning, cunts. It's another day in paradise. On 4th of July, me and my queer hot friends went to Will Rogers Beach and I microdosed shrooms. And I gotta say, every time I microdose shrooms, I think it's really good for my mental health. And I'm so serious. And I do sound like such a little LA bitch right now. You know, every other week I get my acupuncture and my cupping. And then I'd be microdosing my little shrooms. And then I'd be doing a podcast? Oh my god. I love that for me. Honestly, I love that for me. And I feel like there's girlies out here who would hate. And I just want to say, I hope you're happy. You know? This is not how you're living your life. Mm, I hope you're happy. Anyway, we microdosed shrooms on the beach. It was a beautiful sunny day. And I walked up to the ocean and the tide was coming out and then it was receding you know the waves and I was watching the way the sand changed color but I had brought three poetry books one of them being Pablo Neruda's love poems and let me just say every gay should own this book and I guess the heteros can have this book but I actually don't think you deserve it And this book was given to me by my former bandmate, Rye, gave me this book, I think for my one of my birthdays. And Rye is part of the community, a queer trans baddie, a hottie, hottie, hottie. Oh my God, I'm sorry that I had phlegm when I said that. And I really want Rye to come on the podcast, but I asked them and they were like, I'm shy. Which is so hot. I wish I was shy, you know? Like, Rye is full of mystery. And then they'll tell me things about their escapades in Berlin. And I'm like, wow, that could only happen to a shy hottie. That would never happen to someone so boisterous as me. Sorry, folks. We have a lot of backup in my throat (laughs) today. Me sipping coffee. Hold on. Anyway... Rye gave me this book of love poems for one of my birthdays and it is literally so sensual, so sexual and I brought it to the beach and I was high on mushrooms and my lovely patient friends were letting me read them love poems. I'm sorry, that is actually my queer dream and it happened. Like sitting on the beach, a little high on mushrooms. You don't have to be high on mushrooms, but sitting on the beach, blue sky, sunny, the waves are crashing, everyone's a dyke, everyone has their tits, ass, and bellies out, and I'm reading Pablo Neruda love poems. Let me go get the book. OMG. Let me go get the fucking book right now and read you one. Oh, damn it. It's in my car. Damn it. It is in my car. I was going to go get it and read you one, but it is in the pocket of my beach chair in my car. All right, let me look one up. Pablo Neruda. Love poems. Oof. All right, let's do this one. Ah, Vastness of Pines by Pablo Neruda. Ah, vastness of pines, the sound of breaking waves, a slow play of lights, 
a solitary bell. Twilight falling in your eyes, my doll, terrestrial terrestrial seashell. Ooh, that is hard to say. Let me do it again. <laughs> Twilight falling in your eyes, my doll, terrestrial seashell. In you, the earth sings. In you, the river sings, and my soul flees within them, wherever you desire and wherever you wish. Mark my path in your arc of hope, and I will release in delirium my flock of arrows. Around me, I see your waste of mist, and your silence haunts my pursued hours, and it is you with your arms of transparent stone where my kisses anchor and my moist desire nests. Ah, your mysterious voice tinged and bent by love in the resounding and dying sunset. Thus, in deep hours over the fields, I have seen the stalks bending in the mouth of the wind. Oh my fucking god. This is how I want to sext. Okay? I'm going to start sexting by saying, bitch, I want to nest my moist desire in your transparent arms of stone. What the fuck, dude? God, I love him so much. And I feel like the way he writes, it just really resonates with like my sensual desire. <laughs> I'm serious, though. He gets it. Unfortunately, I think he was straight. I mean, yeah, he definitely is. These are like poems about a woman's moist, luptuous, luptuous, is that a word? Uh, sumptuous body. But you know what? I also had brought a book of poems I have by Mary, Mary Oliver called House of Light. And Mary Oliver was a lesbian. And she also be writing about nature and a woman's body. Let me pull up a Mary Oliver one. Fuck, I am like wet off poetry right now. Okay. Ah, here we go. This one is called Not Anyone Who Says by Mary Oliver. And this one is really Mary Oliver being like, bitch, love is magical and it chooses you. And if you found love in some methodical way, do not speak to me about such love. <clears throat> here we go. <laughs> here we go. Not Anyone Who Says by Mary Oliver. Not anyone who says, I'm going to be careful and smart in matters of love. Who says, I'm going to choose slowly. But only those lovers who didn't choose at all, but were, as it were, chosen by something invisible and powerful and uncontrollable and beautiful and possibly even unsuitable. Only those know what I'm talking about in this talking about love oh my fucking god mary i agree mary only those know what i'm talking about in this talking about love <laughs> that's how i'm gonna introduce this podcast to people i'm gonna recite the whole poem every time not anyone who says i'm going to be careful and smart in matters of love who says i'm going to choose slowly but only those lovers who didn't choose at all but were as it were chosen by something invisible and powerful and uncontrollable and beautiful and possibly even unsuitable only those know what i'm talking about in this talking about love mary oliver actually wrote that poem for this podcast okay so oh my sister just texted me she just got engaged. Shout out to her finding love. 
Um, she also wants me to get ordained. Guess I'll do that. I love that. And I'm going to like double up on my Lexapro the day I have to do that so that I don't produce tears um, because I don't want to mess up the wedding. Uh, on the topic of love, I mean, where do we begin? It's it's tricky. So I had initially recorded an entire episode going through my dating history in LA so far, but it was so chaotic. I gotta, I have to like write my dating history in a way that you can listen and not want to pluck your fingernails off or pull out your eyelashes one at a time or just stop listening. (laughs) So I'm going to work on that for you guys. But okay, so you're about to hear a story about how I got a phone number from a server at a bar. And when I originally recorded this story, I described the bar in great detail, which of course now I am cutting because I don't want to accidentally reveal this person's identity. So just imagine a really cool bar in your head. Okay. So of course I love it there. And one time I was there and the person who was serving me was just so hot and I was just so tipsy and I was really like laying on the flirt, you know, a little hard. Uh, Let's name this person. (laughs) Let's call them Jamie. That's like a dyke name. Okay, so Jamie was my server and I was being like, thank you, Jamie. And like, oh, I'll just take it, Jamie, like taking the glass out of their hand. Like I was, I was doing a lot. Um, And then when I left, I really wanted to leave my number on the receipt, but I was too fucking scared. I need someone to literally force me to engage in like human interaction because I'm just so frightened. So I didn't. But then when I was walking away, I like looked back and they were looking at me and I was like, okay, that was something. But then the next time I was there, you know, I arrive and I'm sober and they come over and they're my server again. I was like, oh, shit, Jamie, I'm really sorry. Last time I was here, I was flirting with you so hard. And like, I'm sorry, that was probably really annoying because I'm a service industry person. Sometimes when people are flirting with me, it's not cute and it's actually really fucking annoying. But Jamie was cool about it. They were like, oh, whatever, it's fine. And then, you know, we laughed. And when they brought me my check... They were so fucking smooth. They were like, hey, by the way, last time, I forget, did I give you my number? And I was like, that's hot. And I was like, no, Jamie, you didn't give me your number. Give me your fucking number, bitch. Obviously, I didn't call them a bitch. And so they gave me their number and I texted them. But then my friend was like, I'm pretty sure they were wearing a wedding ring. And I was like, wait, what? And I asked Jamie about it. They said, no, that's not a wedding ring, but I do have a girlfriend. Just like every other dyke in Los Angeles, they have a girlfriend, but they're open. Okay, it's the long distance relationship and they're open. And let's be real. I'm looking for love. I'm also looking to fuck. Is this crazy to put in a podcast? Maybe. And I do have some fear that this podcast could actually discourage people from going out with me. But if you don't want to be included on the podcast, I will not include you, okay? I did feel like I could tell this bartender story without revealing this person's identity. But for instance, I was seeing someone else here in LA, and I'm not going to talk about them unless I get explicit permission. Because this person was like, so great. 
but like it's just not going to work out in the long run and I don't want them to feel some type of way if I talked about them on the podcast but I would love to interview them because they're like a poly baddie and I want to talk about how they pull that off anyway I was at the name of the bar last night and the bartender was there again and they're just so hot and I really hope Folks, it is with great excitement that I introduce you to our first recurring segment on this podcast. It is called, Are We Gonna Watch a Movie? And this segment is going to be all about queer, sapphic, and God forbid, lesbian cinema. Because in my queer journey, it has been really difficult for me to find queer films that are actually good. And then if they are actually good, that they're not absolutely devastating and we're gonna get into this in this segment today and also in future episodes but I don't want to waste any more time I am so excited to introduce you to the official Are We Gonna Kiss queer film correspondent. She is an icon. She is the moment. She is an expert in all things queer cinema. Her name is Caitlin Clear. to have you on the podcast we know each other because you are my first roommate ever yeah and we were assigned roommates in Chicago at Columbia College Chicago I was exploring my queer identity through Riot Girl, and I started a punk band while we were still living together and you were pursuing I mean queer film and also just being like really gay in Chicago I don't think we've ever really gotten into what pronouns you feel really comfortable with and also what you identify for your sexuality. Like for me, I've always identified she, her, lately a little more they, them situation. And then as sexuality, I've always been really comfortable with the term queer. But lately, I've been taking on like gay and dyke. So I wanted to hear what you felt about that because I've never heard you talk about it. Definitely lesbian. Since I've like okay. I've always loved, um, because I'm just like not. I've always just been like, girls. Um, she her pronouns. You know, I did the whole discovery thing. Thought of some words, looked at it, and mine is more just like not because I feel like any strong sense to womanhood, whatever the fuck that means. But it's more just like I don't feel the urge to be anything else. And like when I talk to my friends who like use they them or like want to use like he sometimes they're like yeah I just have this like er like longing and I was like I don't really I am because I am like I'm just like I'm just here I don't really have the urge to use anything else if I do I'll I'll figure it out but right now I'm just I'm just vibing yeah I feel like that's a good way to go about when you're talking about pronouns is like well does the pronoun you were assigned give you like turmoil because for some people it really does and does not feel good so if it doesn't you know I don't know do you identify as like femme or mask or just nothing I guess like my whole thing is like my is not always but like as of late it's been like you know I contain multitudes and they're all hot so yeah the day that's what it is and so like some of my friends who you know they use they them and they're non-binary they're like Caitlin you give off strong like non-binary vibes when you say this I'm like yeah I was like but just like I think mine is more in a fun, like, neurodivergent way. I'm just like, I'm just am what I am. Like, it's the fun autistic and, like, not, like, the gender way. <laughs> I'm, just, 
I'm just vibing. Nothing's real. Nothing's real. I love that. Lesbian and a neurodivergent. <laughs> okay, slay. This question is specific because I feel like I have a story behind this and I think most queer people do. What was your first obsession that you later realized was you unknowingly exploring your queerness? Which unfortunately for me was like Miley Cyrus bangers era. I thought I just... I thought you were gay because of Miley Cyrus. Like, I knew when we kept talking, I was like, oh, she, she's going to go through a journey. Like, it's so much fun. Those queer people were like, oh, you got a storm coming, you know? Like, but you mind your business. And you started, like, your band at that time, like, your girl band. I was like, ooh, have fun. (laughs) (laughs) When I moved to Chicago, I wasn't, like, really sure. I was just like, oh, I love Miley Cyrus so much. And, like... I love when she sticks her tongue out and is like grinding. And- oh, I know. I know. <laughs> but so for me, I'm like, okay, that was me like unknowingly discovering my queerness. So do you have something like that in your life? I think looking back, I mean, growing up as an only child in a big household, like full of adults, I watched a lot of like just adult sitcoms and stuff. And I was obsessed with Frasier. <laughs> I was obsessed with every woman in Frasier. <laughs> um Phoebe Newridge, Daphne but like it was every sitcom I was always obsessed with like the mean woman but that was like honestly when I think about Frasier I was just like they're all gay I think all of them are somewhere on the queer spectrum but yeah definitely like Frasier and just like maybe it's mean girls in general because I'm like these mean girls if there was a mean girl I was just like obsessed with her and I think that was me wanting to be a gay mean girl myself would um, you want to be a mean girl or do you want to yeah. fuck a mean girl or both? I think, I think it was both. I honestly think it was both. But yeah, I think just in general television. Because that's why I wrote my essay for Columbia. I got the presidential scholarship. I got to write this essay. And I was like how television let, let me see different types of people. And like who I was like, I was obsessed with. Like I was just always obsessed with like the female character. Queen Latifah. Yeah. Any Latifah, I would Chicago was it perfect? Chicago, because you know you have Captain Zeta Jones, you had Queen Latifah, um, Christine Bernanski, Mama Me. Like I was always obsessed just like with media because I could just like watch girls and it didn't seem weird. I'm like, oh, they're just my favorite character. And I, you can get away and your brain, it's like a little, it's like a little screen. So it's like it's not gay thoughts, it's TV thoughts. You just think this girl is really cute. And yeah. in, in eighth grade, we had um to do this project, your senior project in eighth grade, you got to pick a topic and you write a paper for every class you're in. So I did my forensic psychology and we had to have like an entertainment section. So I did the 10 coolest women in television and it was just a picture of them and then a blurb about why I liked them. And I was like, what's oh. wrong with you? Like what's wrong? And like, I had to print it. I had like three copies and teachers had to read it. And like, what? what? I- it's so bad and I, like, I found the old diary and I read it and I was like you little gay slut <laughs> like you you were obsessed with television no you're obsessed with every girl in a show and once uh-huh. a girl on the show I would stop watching I'm like oh the plot's just not as good anymore I'm just like and do you think I mean looking at your diary looking at that project like you're just coming at it from like wow these women are amazing but like you weren't like I have a crush on them right yeah, no mm-hmm these women on these shows exactly desperate housewives why was i in seventh grade watching desperate housewives oh my god just like milfs i feel like you like a milf i love a milf 
and better yet, adults love me. And I really appreciate that. I really thank the universe for that. So moving on from when you were unknowingly discovering your queerness, what was your, oh shit, I'm gay moment? Oh God, this one's really, so my ankle got ran over by a car when I was a sophomore in high school. This guy was high off potpourri, like the stuff your grandma uses and like rolled over my ankle. It was a whole different story. So I had to go to the hospital. The Okay. In the ambulance, they gave me pain medication. When I got to the hospital, they gave me pain medication. And like they get, I guess they guessed based off my height, but I always weighed less. So I was pretty fucking high as a kite and they gave me medication. So the next day I was still pretty high. And I was like, my family's like, watch your favorite comfort movies. So I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because I love Indiana Jones. I thought I wanted to be Indiana Jones for the longest time. And there's this scene with Marion, like his love interest, like on a boat. And she has like this cream slip. And I'm just like watching this high out of my mind. And I'm just like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is it. (laughs) And that was, I was like, oh, okay. And so after that, like, I remember watching like my favorite TV shows. I was like, oh, no, I, this woman, I feel the same way. But it was, yeah, it was being high out of my mind watching Raiders of the Lost Ark with like a weird ankle big pharma made you gay yeah like, big pharma made me gay it unlocked something in my brain like being like high and being delirious from the pain and like the shock of it all I think and watching this I was like yeah this is this is it this oh, is the thank god thank god like shout out you should find the person who ran over your foot and be like thank you so much for making me gay yeah I don't think you you understand what you've done for the world I want to get directly into your expertise, which is film and TV, but specifically, I feel you're so well-versed in queer film and TV. And I do want to preface, I have not seen like any movies or TV shows, let alone gay ones. But then when I have been on my queer journey looking for queer media, I have found it really difficult to find or like all the reviews are bad, but then- I don't know. I just went on Lex, you know, the app Lex. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked for lesbian movie recs and I got a list and I we're starting with our first discussion today about the most recommended one. Yeah, it's my favorite. Caitlin and I jump right into it here discussing the movie Debs. For those of you who haven't seen it, here's a quick synopsis from IMDb. Recruited by the U.S. government for their unique ability to lie, cheat, and fight, Amy, Max, Janet, and Dominique join an underground academy of secret agents known only as Debs. These crime-fighting hotties set out to save the world and keep their lipstick perfectly applied while doing so. Now the girls must combine their skills for their most important mission, to capture vexing vixen Lucy Diamond, the deadliest criminal the world has ever known. When Deb's star player, Amy, falls for Lucy, chaos erupts and the Deb's loyalty is put to the test. Yeah, Deb's is just like a fun action adventure spoof, kind of. Um, it was, I wouldn't say it's the first of its kind, but it was really after like a long drought of just kind of like sad, more realistic lesbian films. Um, it was just fun. I think it had like a budget of 3.5 million, which was kind of unheard of for, for lesbian films. Um, and it's a little weird because I try to say sapphic films because I know Amy's bisexual and like a lot of films don't have like two lesbians. It is like sapphic girls in general. 
Um, but yeah, it follows this kind of goody two shoes who's part of Devs, which I forget what the acronym means right now. It's like daring, uh, daring, exquisite. Wait, I wrote it down because I was gonna quiz you and to see if you knew it. Beauty. It's like I remember it's daring and beauty. I forget the E and the S. Okay, it's actually the first one's discipline, which is well, hot. I'm just, I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's hot that the first one is discipline. <laughs> okay, so it's discipline. Do you want to try to guess the E? It's weird. No, now I feel like a, a failure. Oh my god! <laughs> no, they picked really weird words. Um, discipline, energy, beauty, strength. Strength. Yeah. Um, but it follows this kind of goody goody two shoes, um, Amy, and um, basically she ends up being chasing down this villain who she falls in love with and realizes that she's gay and stuff. And it's just, it's the cutest film. Like it was, it kind of came out of nowhere. It started as a short. Um, Robinson did it. I always forget her first name, but Robinson made a short and she showed it like Sundance and a few other places and this executive was like hey we really like this and I think the budget was like 3 million or 3.5 and the thing was like the thing with reviews as hard is that it got like a really mixed bag like yeah. it's a cool classic to the gays right but like straight people were just like there's not enough there like the comedy and I'm just like okay just because you're used to like scary movie and stuff like that which is a pure parody right. this is more kind of a spoof like it it's aware of what it's doing not yeah. for- it's making fun but it is aware of the tropes that you're used to I don't know I think it's perfect I just like hard agree one of the things with reviews is it makes it hard with queer film like especially for someone like me who hasn't seen anything and I don't love watching movies so I only want to watch it if it has good reviews and I'm sorry but I feel like queer and sapphic movies all have bad reviews and then I loved this movie like yeah Loved it. I actually wrote down the ratings here. IMDb, it has 5.3 out of 10 stars. Rotten Tomatoes, it has 42%. But then very weird, Fandango has a streaming service called Voodoo, and it has four out of five stars on Fandango. So shout out Fandango, queer icons. It's hard because do a lot of sapphic films suck? Yes. They're still fun though. So I love Pitch Perfect. I love the Pitch Perfect franchise. Would I sit down and say the third movie is amazing? No, like I love it because I'm a fan and I'm crazy. But like, that's it. People don't understand things can just be fun. They can just be a fun film that you watch. It doesn't have to be the fucking Godfather. Especially in contrast when all the sapphic and queer films that I have seen are so dark. So I do want to let you know the three that I've seen are Carol, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Okay, both of those are sad old ladies. I'm sorry. Yeah, and they're long as fuck. And not fun. They're like anti-fun, actually. And then the third one, what do you think it is? I don't know. Okay, blue is the warmest color, which is so controversial. (laughs) That was my biggest fear. I was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, that one. Go ahead. I love Carol. I think it was fun. It was like the first blockbuster that we've gotten in a while that was really mainstream. Portrait, I love for the actresses. Um, And like, the story is good. And like, I don't hate it, but I'm a fun gal. I like having fun. This is killing my vibe, you know? Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Like, I'm not gonna fuck the portrait of a lady on fire. Yeah, I won't ask a girl to come over and be like, hey, do you want to watch like, no. (laughs) No. 
it's hard because especially coming out of the 90s you had a lot of people who were doing like their own projects which is good but it had a lot of self-reflection which is beautiful but i don't always want to see um <laughs> like keep that shit to yourself <laughs> like you are depressed <laughs> okay yeah like on it i'm sorry but i feel like carol and portrait are like keep that to yourself no i understand it's beautiful <laughs> but like go cry and then like make something fun and also like i want like a just like hot sexy like romance rom-com is that what yeah. imagine me and you is i haven't seen it yeah it is definitely it's um and i don't want i'm tired of period pieces i yeah. all that to be said if you want one that's pretty funny the favorite it's olivia coleman rachel weiss and emma stone and that is pretty funny it's so basically rachel weiss and emma stone both have a thing for the queen so rachel weiss and, and olivia coleman olivia coleman's the queen they're like long-term like fuck buddies or whatever and then emma stone pops in so it's it's still like a period piece but the humor is just it's 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 different so it's like that that doesn't count bitch no that also is still a fucked up movie i forgot i did see that movie but it scarred me i love that movie the end it doesn't end with olivia coleman like forcing emma to like get her off or something (laughs) No, because I think Emma Stone was trying to get with Olivia Coleman, and then Emma Stone's character, like... I gotta rewatch it. I just remember leaving... I saw that in theaters, and I remember leaving and being like, mm, that was weird. Getting apart. So I just remember being like, I don't know. I was like, this is so weird and funny. But I'll have to go back, because I don't remember. Maybe I just blocked it out. I was like, mm, other than that, <laughs> let me go back and watch it. No, I gotta go back to you. But, okay, regarding devs... Um, so yeah, it's it's this group of girls who are selected by the government to be in this paramilitary group that fights crime, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're selected by by taking the SATs, like the normal SATs, but yeah. within the SATs, there's a secret aptitude test. And I love these universes where it's like, oh you could get into this like what harry potter did for me which i know bad now because jk rowling lost her mind but i love it's like oh if you took the sats and take it just right you could be part of this secret sexy spy group how old were you when you first saw it i was in i was i think it was the summer before my senior year i found it at unclaimed baggage this is this place in alabama that like if you lose your luggage and they never find who it belongs to they send it to the store and I was looking through the dvds and this was like a year like almost like two years from like the whole realizing I was gay thing flipping through the dvds and I found Debs, and I knew what it was like oh my god I bought it for three dollars and I watched the shit out of that thing it was a miracle it was god being like you deserve a special little treat and I got it and I yeah I love how it just works out, you know? First you get run over, then you find a used DVD of devs. Some lesbians probably really upset because I had a very limited release on DVD. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really sorry about that, but it went to a good young gay. And now I send it to all my friends who realize that they're gay or they're going to something, like, I'll just send them devs. Be like, here you go. I think this is a really good entry-level queer film. Yeah. I read a review of Debs from the Washington Post and they use this term homonormative. Have you heard that before? Yeah. I feel like it really describes how 
I have identified with queerness and what I'm looking for in movies. And so this, I'm going to read like a little excerpt from the Washington Post review. They said, the movie is not gay in that in-your-face zealous manner of so many films more interested in advocacy than art or commerce. It's gay in what might be called a homonormative way. That is, it accepts same-sex attraction as a norm, something not at all unusual or strange, but something so a part of the landscape it doesn't require comment. Yeah. No, I feel yeah, like I love that. that's the ideal for me. Yeah, I think, especially in media, it's nice. Cause like, you can definitely tell when a straight person writes something and there's straight actresses and it feels very forced. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, be okay with gays. No matter how gross you think this kissing is, um, it's okay. It's it's that scene from The Office where Michael was just like, today corporate has tasked me with the hardest job of like, the, when he kissed Oscar, I forget the exact line. He was like, people being weirded out by gays kissing or whatever. Like, I feel like that's sometimes the approach that they have because they know nowadays they realize like, oh, like gay people, fandom, there's money in that. Uh, and you, but I feel like Debs has set like a good, a good pace for people being like, this is, this is what we want. Just like normal relationship. Yeah. Normal people, they happen to be gay. That's right. it. Yeah. No, I, I love it. Yeah, when it can be interchangeably, like this exact movie could happen, but Lucy Diamond, the villain, is a guy, and you wouldn't have to really change any of the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. I think ugh, queer movies, it's hard, because like you have to have, it's that's why I love television, because you can slip gay stuff in. It's so much easier, because you have a lot of other stories going on and like you can hit different demographics and it's fine but with movies it's so hard because it's very much once you decide to do gay you're kind of isolating yourself which is so unfortunate and why it's so sad when people copy like oh my god there's like fucking so Wakanda forever there was a lesbian character like a, a queer thing and people were in a fucking uproar right like they were like oh my god this is disgusting this is horrible and then I saw it and then she's like, thank you, my love. And like, they like touch hands or whatever. I'm like, I expected like, like graphic sex. Like I thought there'd be scissoring. There had to be something, but that's what you're mad about. And that's, Disney got so much props. And it's always just like, this is the first queer character or like Pixar with like, this is the first non-binary character. I'm like, it's a glob of water. It's a glob, like, and it's, that part. And, that's, and I, when I was at Columbia, I mostly focused on um, legal and finance for film. And I did most of my creative stuff through television or the fiction department. Because, like, it feels hopeless sometimes in the, in the film world. Like, you really, really do isolate yourself. Um, which is why when I try writing film scripts, it always like, be kind of like the background character. Like, you can never really have a true, like, gay character unless you want to completely isolate yourself. Um, which is wow. so sad. And that's why I love doing shorts. Like, I'm working on a short right now. And it seems kind of like shorts are your friends because it doesn't, it shouldn't take, cost too much money to make a short. And you can do something really important like Robinson did. She wrote a short, she filmed it, people liked it, and then she made a movie. But it's really hard just to get, to have a gay script and then people be like, we're going to give you money to make this. That's not like, there's some, just some really, really bad sapphic films. And then you're just like, how does this get made? And like, oh, one of the producers is the actor. Or like oh. producing kids that act, and you're just like, oh, that's why. And the script's really bad. And you're like, oh, a straight person wrote this. Mm -hmm. um, so, 
Yeah, it makes sense you saying that about how it's hard to get them to production because when I do think about the queer films, which really are mostly gay films, like gay men, I'm thinking like Moonlight, but Mm -hmm. Moonlight is like this artistic, heavy, dramatic film. And I feel like queer movies are more likely to get that production funding when it's something like that, like this like heavy story rather than the Debs, which are, which is so just fun. And it's hard to get that funding, but I guess, you know, it came from a short. So I guess that is the path. But when I do think about a gay comedy, which I don't know a lot of them, but I know that um, Billy Eichner had that movie come out, right? Yeah. And didn't it not do well? Yeah. But I I heard it was a great movie, but it didn't do well because it isolated itself. Did you see it? It isolates itself. And I think it was... It's the humor people are used to, though, I think is was the problem. It just didn't feel original. Like, it was a bunch of jokes I've heard from a lot of different things. And, like, I love Billy on the Street. And, like, I watched it because, like, take my gay money for this gay film forever. Yeah. But I think that's also, you have to kind of figure out which way you're going to lean. Like, am I going to be a gay film that I'm just going to go the easiest way possible so I can get this much, as many laughs as, you know, as I can? Or am I going to try something a little daring? Yes, everything you just said. And just like when you bring it back to Debs, I have never seen sapphic art like this before. That was truly so fun, start to finish. And if I had seen that as a teenager, I would have just been like, oh, like being lesbian is hot, sexy, cool, and fun. Not like, oh, I'm going to be sent to conversion camp or like, I need mental health or, well, I do need mental health. Yeah. For different reasons, not for gay reasons. <laughs> not for gay reasons. Absolutely. Okay, I've got to wrap it up only because I've, I'm going to have to edit this all down. Um, before we go, do you want people to find you anywhere? Uh, Like you could find me. I don't know if you want to know where I am though like it's like my Twitter I act like isn't real like I act like people can't see it is it public yeah it's public like I just be posting shit <laughs> it's really it's a mess let me actually let me workshop it the next time I'll tell people <laughs> let me let me workshop um some things great then I'm gonna have us end it by um off the cuff not to put you on the spot but what movie should we dissect next movie 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 um imagine me and you it's a cute rom-com makes you believe in love like fully you know okay great i'm gonna watch imagine me and you i'm so excited caitlin thank so you. much fun you're so cool you're still so cool oh i mean yeah i just my mental illness has progressed so yeah it just makes it better you know it's like marinating i love it I'm just stewing, marinating in the the psychosis. Okay, great, Caitlin. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, we'll chat soon. Hell yeah. All right. Okay. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to episode two of Are We Gonna Kiss? Special shout out to Caitlin Clear for agreeing to be the official Are We Gonna Kiss queer film correspondent. If you liked what you heard today, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and find me on Instagram at Are We Gonna Kiss Pod. And before you leave, I have to ask, 
Are we gonna kiss? Wow.